0: This is Mouth Media Network.
1: Welcome everybody to yet another episode of Travel is Your Business. We are recording from Voyager in New York City, and that is a community hub for travel startup founders. Today our guest is no other than Mr. Joel Montaniel. He is the co-founder and CEO of Seven Rooms. Uh, Seven Rooms is a guest data seating and management platform for hospitality operators. So, we are going to dive into exactly what that is in just a moment.
2: So, stay seated, buckle up. Uh, our show starts right now. Hi, I'm Joel Montagnol, co founder and CEO of Seven Rooms. What I love about travel is finding the local eats.
3: From New York City, this is Travel is Your Business. Covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry with technology thought leader and community builder Pavan Ball and growth strategist Peter Crisdale. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Pavan Ball,
1: and I am alongside Miss Tamara Wood. Hi, everyone. As well as Mr. Peter Krysdale. Hey, hey. What's going on, guys? And of course, our guest today is Mr. Joel Montagnier.
2: Thanks, Joel, for uh, joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we like to start off every episode with just getting a high-level overview of who you are and what Seven Rooms is all about.
2: Sure. So who I am, I'm one of the co-founders, CEO of Seven Rooms. We started the business six years ago in 2011. Uh, Before that, I started my career in finance. So I was doing investment banking and not really loving my life. And around 2009, I started to think about making a switch into the technology world. Uh, 2011, we were lucky enough to give it a go full time and start Seven Rooms. Uh, So Seven Rooms, uh, you mentioned at the beginning, really at our core, uh, we're trying to help hospitality operators make better service easier. So help them understand their guests, help them understand what the guest cares about, Uh, to get that guest to come back, to get that guest to feel at home when they're on property at a restaurant or at a hotel or at a nightclub, and then ultimately have the data on that guest to be able to market back to them and speak to them in a much more personalized manner to get them to return to the property.
1: Fantastic. So we're going to go deep into that in just a moment. Um, For our audience, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, Please do follow us on social media. That's at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. And of course, you could uh, listen to this episode as well as our past episodes on our website at travelisyourbusiness.com. So on with the the interview. So let's start here first. Um, You mentioned a couple of really interesting things over there. Uh, One that stuck with me is that, you know, making guests feel at home and seven rooms is essentially a data um company right you're aggregating data from all different sources you have an open api and you're making or you're helping hospitality groups make informed decisions what is some of the most unique ways people have leveraged your technology
2: so the the hospitality industry in particular has been an industry where everyone in that world wants to provide that type of service. And they've really built up that information on the guest in a more manual yeah. nature. Uh, if you really think about the places that you go to all the time where you would consider yourself to be a regular, The service and the experience is amazing when you have someone there that knows you. So when you walk in and the manager knows you, you walk up to the bar or the bartender knows you, Mm -hmm. or the server knows you, if you think about it, it's a very different experience when that person's not there, right? Even though the food's the same, even though the menu's the same. So a large part of that is because historically technology for restaurants and for hotels hasn't tracked that data. It's really been more transactional in nature. So we really wanted to focus on data that helps the operator understand that guess at a more detailed level, the things that the manager, the server, the bartender would know about you. So uh, for instance, one of the particular things that we do is we have an integration to the point of sale system. So we know down to the individual cocktail that you're having or the appetizer that you're having, what you're actually ordering. So the server can come nice. over and say, I know you love that Brussels sprout appetizer. Chef decided to make it a slightly different way for you today. Let us know if you love it. And before that, those are the things that they want to do. They just never could easily track that data. And now with seven rooms, when the guest walks up, even if it's the very first time they've been to this property, and even if it's the very first time someone's working the host stand, the whole team can know how to make that guest feel special and make them understand what are the little bits and pieces they can do or touch points they can do to really make that experience awesome.
4: And are you doing that across brand as well? So if a hotel group has multiple brands, can that data transition from one brand to
5: another?
2: Absolutely. So that's one of the big problems that we solve is a lot of this customer data was never connected across properties, believe it or not. The reason for that is a lot of the older school technology was built on server stacks, which aren't in the cloud. And so believe it or not, whether you're talking about hotels, whether you're talking about restaurants... That data doesn't translate across properties. And the challenging part is the guest, of course, expects that same level of service. You've established a rapport with them and a relationship with them to make them feel special the first 10 times they visit your property. Mm-hmm. They expect that level of service that next time they come to your new property. And yeah. guess what? The challenge is your system has never captured that data to bring it across property. So we solve that problem because each operator that uses our system has a 360 degree view of that guest naturally connected across all of their properties. So that guest can really get that feel good experience. That's an
1: interesting hook too, right? Because if I'm operating multiple properties and I already have someone like you, maybe Peter hooked into the communication and the way that I'm servicing you, why would I stay at Why would you stay at another property where you have to build up that Rapport, I guess, or that digital rapport, again, over and over. Yeah, I right? mean, so so much of the travel industry
4: is just purely decisions are made on price, right? Um, especially on the lower end. But the more that you can actually create experiences for people, I imagine, um, the more likely they are to have brand loyalty. The
1: this, the simplest thing is that I was taking my car in to get serviced, and when I was pulling into the the garage, it said, "Welcome, Mister Ball." Like, mm. da da da, and, and gave me instructions on where to go. And I was like, that's great. You know, the simplest things is uh, that personal touch. And to especially
0: everything. for people who are traveling who may not be that comfortable with traveling to international countries, to other countries, mm-hmm. and they go, they stay with the Marriott, for example. I don't know if you're with Marriott, but anyway. And then, so, goes to Paris and says, Well, welcome, Mr. Ball. And mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, wow, that's great. And it takes away a lot of the anxiety, I bet.
1: One thing that stuck was. You mention on your website if there's a an allergy, right? And I think you specified a gluten allergy. Um, you know, my, a business partner of mine is has a you know celiac is has a an allergy to to gluten, and that's very very important. That you know, it could be life threatening. It could be life-threatening. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it could be severe, right? It yeah. could really ruin your trip, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the fact that, you know, I maybe can be put at ease having something that sensitive um, just by traveling across is, is important. Well,
4: so we've talked about this in previous shows that the consumer doesn't see a lot of what's happening behind the scenes. I yeah. mean, how much is the hotel patron aware of the fact that um, this data is now being communicated? I mean are they are they surprised and delighted or are they freaked out a little bit that <laughs> that the hotel knows who they are mm, Yeah mm. G-
2: great question because we see this a lot from a lot of the operators and partners and and groups that we work with so you know on the surface I think there's a natural tension or natural conversation happening right now about data and privacy and you know what how you should be able to use it The hospitality industry is a very unique industry in the sense that we believe that Guests will share more information about themselves if it results in a better experience, and in particularly, hospitality. So there are lots of examples of hotels that have tracked this data, uh, restaurants that have tracked this data. So for instance, I've been in a room where a hotel will be calling out their they're regulars that are staying and they'll say things like, okay, we have a family from London. The last time they saw us, their son, Sam was 10. He's, he used to love chocolate milk and cookies, chocolate chip cookies. And now he's 12. He's on the basketball team. So they've wow. always, yeah, it's, it's amazing, yeah. right? And the great part with the hospitality industry is they really know how to use that information in a way that's not creepy, in a way that's organic, especially the ones that are known for their service. Mm -hmm. And so we believe at least that the consumer, if it turns into a better experience that they're more willing to share. Also, what we're trying to help do, though, is enable that information to flow more freely between the consumer. So actually enable the consumer to be a part of that conversation. Hmm. And so, so
0: they know you're, you're taking in their information.
2: And also have a channel for them to provide more information. So for okay. instance, with That's our cool. restaurants, when you book yeah. a restaurant reservation, you get a reservation confirmation email or a reminder email, and it's an opportunity for you as a diner to share more information with a restaurant. So what kind of allergies do you have? If you haven't been here before, do you have a seating preference you know, is it going to be, yeah. And even some of our restaurants through our technology, they want to offer up ways to, uh, for the guests to say, I want to be made to feel really special. And here's why some of our restaurant partners have magic weavers and their whole job is to understand why is someone coming in and what could I do? That's so amazing for this guest. So what you're
4: describing, like this level of detail feels very much like a luxury service. Would you say most of the hotel groups, property owners that you're working with are more luxury, four-star, five-star kind of places?
2: Historically, because the, that's how they've tailored their businesses and the guests that they see expect that type of service. Yeah. The, the way I think about it is great hospitality is free. <laughs> so you have people on site no matter what, right? You have, you have your team is servicing guests, right? They're going to be standing there anyways. How can you empower them to have more information about that guest and turn it into a great experience? And we're hoping naturally because it's the hospitality industry, you're attracting people that want to be in front of guests that want to provide that experience. So our idea is if we can just enable that team to be empowered with that information, how then can that translate down? So I believe whether you're a four or five star hotel, whether you are, you know, uh, you know, three star hotel, two star hotel, it doesn't matter. Whether you're a fine dining establishment or a ma and pa restaurant, uh, you're in hospitality for a reason, so if you can make that guest feel great and get them to come back, then that's a win for everyone.
1: Now, you mentioned restaurant. Now, do you actually um, – is there an effort for the restaurant business separately from hotel bookings? So it, beyond the landscape of or, of a resort environment or I a hotel I noticed you mentioned property. nightclubs too. Yeah, Yeah, I was yeah so are, are right. you licensing this out to other areas?
2: Yeah, so our our start was in the nightclub industry – and okay. then we just evolved into the restaurant industry a couple of years ago. Okay, and well, then talk
1: about what were the uh, the user I guess pain points on the the nightlife side. Sure.
2: So we we in 2011 we came into the nightlife industry, and the pain point was they were managing their reservations and customer data through a piece of paper. So you would walk up to a, a very popular nightclub, and the door person would have a, a piece of paper. That's the list of reservations for the it, night, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you actually break it down and think about it, uh, the challenge is people are spending $2,000, $5,000, $10,000, and you're only selling that table one time. So what we how we looked at it was we said, well, this is really about data, right? If we can help that door person understand who their customers are, then they can make more informed decisions because... Me as a door person, if I turn someone away, that's not just losing $5,000. I have the potential of losing someone who has a lifetime value of $100,000 plus. Mm-hmm. And it happened all the time. We even have examples of landlords who actually own the building that club was in, <laughs> literally own the building getting turned away, right? And it wasn't because they weren't the right fit, it wasn't because it was just a data problem. Right. And so the initial value prop was we were going to provide you with a system that is going to better help you understand your customers and then give you all of the operational components so that when you walk, when a guest walks up to the door, let's say Tamara walks up to the door, I know she's been here seven times. I know exactly what bottles of champagne she orders. I know she's a great guest of mine. And that they were never, never able to do before.
1: Wow. It
2: makes a lot of sense.
1: This is as good as any time to go into a quick break. And uh, when we come back, more with Joel Montaniel, uh, co-founder and CEO of Seven Roots.
6: So lately, you've probably noticed that Mouth Media Network has been premiering a number of really cool new podcasts. But uh, we have a different kind of show, a really exciting new program that we're going to be premiering in the middle of April, April 15th. And it is called 16 Weeks. And we hope that you will listen to it and subscribe. You can sign up to be notified when the show launches at 16weekspodcast.com. Take the next minute to go on a journey with us because here's a sneak peek at
5: 16 weeks. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh,
6: so my bigger head to
5: chase
1: you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
5: I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when (sighs) something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone.
4: My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing.
3: I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk and
5: with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train.
1: You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt
3: like you were working so hard.
6: Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking.
5: Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this.
1: All right, welcome back, guys, to Travel Is Your Business. Of course, we are here with uh, guest Mr. Joel Montaniel of Seven Rooms. And, um, yeah, let's get right back into it.
4: Yeah, so, Joel, you're telling
1: us that Seven Rooms really started
4: in the nightlife scene in, like, 2011. Walk us through, how does that get more to the hotel? I mean, when did you start thinking beyond just nightclubs?
2: So, we started thinking more about hotels around 2014. And it, that also coincided with when we started thinking about restaurants. And so what ended up happening, we've seen over the past five, 10 years, is the emergence of food and beverage for hotels, right? You had Andre Bellaz, uh really being one of the first mm-hmm. operators to think that way. And now it's exploded where when you think about a hot new hotel that's opening up, often the second or third line is the food and beverage that's in that hotel. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And in particular, we've seen this rise of food and beverage in Vegas. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2011, uh, food and beverage slash non-gaming revenue actually surpassed gaming revenue for the very first no time. No kidding. Wow. wow. And so we could have been pitching Vegas operators for, for every day. I could have been sleeping in front of the head of the food and beverage team mm-hmm. or the head of tech. Uh, But it didn't matter because their money wasn't coming from non-gaming. 2011, that flipped. And if you think about how hotels built up their technology, uh, they invested a lot to understand what the casino gamer was doing. They had never invested to understand what people were doing in food and beverage or entertainment. And once that flip happened, and it happened pretty much across the board. If you look at the P&L of a hotel... Uh, especially when you're talking four or five star, that food and beverage line item is probably your number two. It's probably 20% of the revenue, uh, almost in line with rooms, right? So it really explodes. That's That's right. And it's a big reason why people stay at a hotel Right? And it's one of the hotel's competitive advantages now uh, versus lots of other things that are happening out there is if you stay with me, you're going to be able to eat at my places. You're going to be able to get into my nightclub. You're going to get guestless access to my rooftop lounge.
1: Yep. Who was the first uh, hotel
2: client? So we had the W Hotel down in Miami. That's a decent that's client big. to start with. Yeah, are yeah, so a lot of also people who
0: come into the hotel just for the restaurant and just for the drinks yeah. and don't stay there. So that's added.
2: That's yes, right. That's, nice. you capture, that's a good point. Are you capturing that data as well on visitors? So that's exactly what we help the hotel unlock. So our our value prop to the hotel now is we're gonna turn your food and beverage outlets from island, islands, which they are historically given mm-hmm. the technology you're using, to be connected to the rest of the resort. So when your guest that's staying in the suite goes down to the restaurant or the pool. They can not only be recognized, but we can track everything they're doing there so that from a value perspective, we can help you unlock the full value of every guest. It's no longer just the fact that this guest has spent $5,000 in rooms. It's they've spent $5,000 in rooms, $10,000 in gaming, and $15,000 in food and beverage.
1: Now, what if, uh, so Some going back to Tamara's point, if I just go there and visit as a destination to the W, for instance... And I have a great experience in the restaurant. Now, are you able to target somebody like me as kind of the part of the sales funnel to get me to stay there the next time? Or is that data that is, is not available?
2: So that's the goal is, so we capture that data and then there's a relationship between the F&B outlets and the hotel. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. the hotel has, uh, ownership of that customer data. Mm-hmm. There's often it depends on how that deal is structured. Got it. But that's the goal. That's what everyone wants. The F and B operator is coming into that hotel for a reason. And the yeah. hotel is getting that FMB operator to come and take space for a reason. And yeah. so that's a natural marketing opportunity that hasn't been available to them before, before if they don't use seven rooms.
4: So I can picture, you know, when you go to a, a Disney park, you get this little wristband now mm-hmm. that you kind of scan mm. in with everything. It's basically like this huge trail of data for every single individual. Yeah. I can picture this almost moving
1: in that direction. Well, well it does. In, in some resorts that you go to now, they all have those RFID uh, bands. Mm. So like the all-inclusive style things. Right. Yeah, you could, you could
2: absolutely...
0: Well how would you collect that data from people who who are not staying in the hotels?
2: So Through the platform, we can track every check and every customer that's going to the f You're linked to their POS. Through the point of sale integration. Point of sale, okay. That's right. So so their challenge historically has been at the hotel level is they could only track food and beverage spend if someone charges it back to the room. But less than 10% of guests are actually charging back to the room. Mm -hmm. So they're missing out on not just the spend information, but all of that customer information as well. Mm -hmm. So now with Seven Rooms, they have the full platform. No matter if you're staying at the hotel or not, they can track that and then... Here's a list of now the 150 reservations that weren't staying at the hotel, but we have an email address, right, as part of your next campaign to get people to come back and stay at the hotel. Let's market to these people.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So so another question is that uh, with regard to all this information, you know, and you're traveling and everything's known and it's wonderful and that puts a lot of people at ease who are maybe a little more anxious about traveling. On the other hand, there's people like me who just kind of, you know, go anywhere, want to see new things don't want anybody to know me i want to be Mm. completely and totally free and adventurous and sometimes a little daring and uh to me that feels a little claustrophobic and uh confining having people you know know that much about me or offer me something because a lot of times I will go, yeah, you know, that's what I, you know, that, that that's eternal, what I've the past, eternal yeah. dilemma. But, oh, that's yeah. what I always have, yeah. you know? And so you, you, you tend to lean towards that even if you don't want it. So how much of the adventure and the excitement of going into the unknown, have you, do you have any idea or, or feedback on and it? How much of that gets lost in the Sh- process or enabled Sh- or right. enabled? Yeah. yeah I, I, enabled. That's a better word. Right. Yeah. I,
2: so I'm the same way, you know, I don't want to be, I like figuring out the local hole in the wall spots. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love just exploring. The interesting thing is I find myself actually referring to technology or trying to find locals to help me find those spots. So I still find even in that sense, technology comes back into it. Now, all that being said, I, I do believe it all comes back to data. And mm-hmm. so if you get marked as someone that likes more adventurous off the beaten path things, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean we're going to send you to a restaurant that no one's ever stepped foot inside because you probably don't want to go to that restaurant, <laughs> right? Uh, but it's going to it it means that we're going to pair the things that we recommend to you or pair the things that we think you would find special to that type of profile, right? And if you think about the trips you've been to, it actually turns out that there's certain places that fit in certain categories. And I even, when I think about friends that come visit me in New York, I kind of get a sense of what they want to do. And I find myself actually recommending, depending on what they want to do, the same set of places generally, even though one person might want the meatpacking experience and one person might want the Brooklyn experience and one person might want the museum experience. So we, I think it just comes back to data and the person's profile mm-hmm. and being able to link who is this person? What do they care about? Mm-hmm. And then great, let's find the places that match what, they, what so they're focused So basically on. trying
0: to eliminate all of the ones that we might gravitate towards without the information and have it be a complete dive and get sick.
2: Right. <laughs> well, it, it
0: sounds like Which, what you're
4: saying is Tamara's sense of free will is a little mm-hmm. more predictable than she thinks
2: it is. Ultimately, I would say 80% of it is probably predictable. And then the 20% of it is just for fun anyways. And, you know, there's that, there's always that day where, uh, you want to just go explore. You go, you find a cool part of the town and you say, I'm going to walk around and wherever I stumble into, I stumble into Right, I do that. Yeah. Right. And then part of the trip might be something more planned, but something that is still adventurous.
1: Let me give you a quick, uh scenario here uh a couple goes into a resort say one of the w resorts and they you know they have they experience it fully meaning the restaurant the bars this that that and they stay around Um, two weeks later uh the same woman comes back with a different guy um how how much coaching are you giving the hospitality group to not make assumptions based on her profile and who she's with to potentially, you know, damage the reputation between the client and the the hotel group.
0: Not to mention the relationship,
1: right? Well, right. and the, <laughs> and the <Yeah>. personal <laughs> relationship of the two of yeah. the two folks. Yeah. So
2: zero coaching, and the reason for that is they already do all the coaching with their staff. They're yeah. trained for those types of experiences. We'll call that's, them. That's mm-hmm.
4: smart. I don't think you want to get involved. Yeah. So th-
2: they're very aware, and so what the system helps them do is just track that and they might use codes to talk about it. They might, they mm-hmm. each, each restaurant group or hospitality group has their own call it dialect, if you will, vocabulary to track that. Yeah. So we, we are, we see ourselves as just a vehicle or collector or aggregator of that information. Make smarter and then, informed decisions. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause the flip side is they don't have that information, right? Because it was hard for them to track or hard for them to share across their internally in their team with the right people. Mm-hmm. And then without any information, you're flying blind. And in that situation, you know, you make a lot of assumptions that you wouldn't normally have made. So
0: it's a, it's, it's a certain amount of private likes and dislikes, but it doesn't necessarily go into the personal sphere is what you're saying.
1: Well, it probably does go into the personal sphere. It's how they choose to, to respond to it is, mm -hmm. is what he's saying. Right. So essentially they give you everything, right? So seven rooms will give you everything. And then, the hotel group needs to be cognizant of what's sensitive, what's not sensitive and how to approach those well, And you
0: could then, I think I read this in one of your, one of the articles about your company that you could, that um, people who know that they're being tracked willingly, they could then opt out if they, if they themselves know that they're in, uh, if they themselves know that they're in, um, you know, different circumstances
2: that's right. They have say over how that data is captured and if they want that data stored. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is that we have privacy permissions built into the system. So we have we built it for the enterprise. We also built it for the, the most exclusive slash discerning slash protective of their data, nightclub owners that see every celebrity mm-hmm. in the world you can that, think of. Yeah. So because right. we've lived in that world... Uh, The operators through the technology can turn certain data on or off by user. And so the right people actually truly have the right data. So the most sensitive data can be protected and shared with only the people that can make the most use of it.
4: Um, on the subject of monogamy, when you have, when you have data about uh, an individual customer at a nightclub, do you share that data with a hotel that that same individual is staying at at some different time? I mean, Or is that data siloed within each
2: of your seven rooms customers? Yeah, great, great question. So today it's siloed across groups. So meaning if it's the same ownership group, same restaurant, same hotel, same nightlife group, it's shared across their walls, but not with third party or, or independent groups. Now, the interesting thing that we've seen, though, is a conversation happening amongst the hospitality community about, you know what? I actually would be willing to share more data, especially on, on first-time customers. I would want more data on first-time customers. So how can we as a collective industry come up with a rule set of rules and almost like a data co-op, we refer to it, where they can pick and choose the data that they want to share and they could decide whether they want to participate or not? It's not something we heard up until really 2015. And now that the voices and the the questions and the thoughts are getting louder. So I do think it's a real opportunity where technology can really come into play. Mm -hmm. One, if the guest wants to share that data anywhere they want to go, but two, how can the operator share data in a smart way?
1: What about, so you have an open API,
2: Um, you're able to collect from various sources. Are you guys
1: purchasing things on the public domain? So maybe... Data that's available through Facebook or LinkedIn or any any other source for that matter to make your um, suggestions more intuitive.
2: So currently, we're not purchasing any data. We do have integrations with Facebook and Google and LinkedIn. So, mm. for instance, when a customer books through a the native se- app or something, yeah, like, yeah. through the SevenRooms widget, they can decide to opt it or decide to log in through one of those social channels, yeah. which then pulls that information into the database of the operator. And it's, you know, out of all the things that we're currently showing the industry right now, that's one of the things they get most excited about, because it helps them automate profile building and capture more information. And then as we talked a little bit about over the break, uh, they haven't had great ways to capture guest information and haven't had ownership of the guests in the way that they should have. Historically, yeah.
1: there, there are analytics companies that are out there, of course, that are building these robust databases by purchasing everything on the public domain. So a good example that comes up is uh, Cambridge Analytica. And what they have is maybe like four to five thousand data points on every registered uh, voter in America. Now, they divvied that stuff up in four psychographic personalities buckets. And I see that that is something that could be really interesting to link to. And I think that their unique identifier is a Facebook login for that to, to match their database. And then they could do all kinds of hyper-target marketing and things like that. Is that something that you're looking towards? Um, how how, are, how do you see that? And and what are some of the perils that uh, can be forecasted?
2: Sure. that That's something we're absolutely thinking of because as we develop and continue to expand the capabilities of the platform. We believe one major opportunity for seven rooms, but also for our partners is marketing and helping automate marketing while still keeping it personal. And so when you start thinking about marketing, it's, you have to reach the right person with the right message at the right time. Exactly right. Right. And then what's also, what you also need to do is be able to have attribution. Right, And so in our worlds, historically, there's been a few players, whether so if you're talking the hotel space, the OTAs uh, kind of own the digital channels. If you're talking restaurants, Open Table owns the digital channels, and attribution you know, kind of hasn't really been thought about. At least hotels it has, but restaurants, mm-hmm. less so. So as we start thinking about it and thinking about the data profiles of an individual. I see it going the same way where you start to segment audiences based on their habits and their patterns. Uh, Quick aside, the last company I worked for was called Mm LivePerson, and they're the leading online chat provider. So if you've been on a website and a box pops up, do you want to talk to an online sales rep or support rep? That's LivePerson's technology. The way that it works at a very basic level is it's actually tracking the patterns and clicks of a user on a website Mm-hmm. and then scoring you. And really what it's doing, it's segmenting you. And so if you put a $2,000 laptop in your in your cart and take it out, you get a higher score than someone that's just browsing uh, a page, right? Sure. And so we think about it the same way where a guest is showing certain patterns, certain habits, and that means naturally that they're going to fit into this segment. And then we should be able to enable the the hospitality operator to understand those segments and then also push a button and get that guest to come back.
4: Well, so if you have a consumer facing widget, um, I mean, there's, there's a gray line between what you're doing and an OTA effectively. I mean, can you draw that distinction?
2: Yeah, great, great question. So this is something we've thought a lot about. So over the past year or so, we've been in the room with the biggest hotel operators, the biggest restaurant operators, some of the biggest entertainment operators, and all of them have said the same thing to us, which is I'll tell you. So they've said, you know, I number one, I don't own my customer anymore. Number two, I'm so reliant on these third parties, whether you're talking about an OTA, whether you're talking about open table, whether you're talking about Ticketmaster. So mm-hmm. reliant on them to bring me business. Right. So can you seven rooms come up with a way that can help me one, own my customer again, two, give them a reason to come to me and me alone. Three, help upsell slash create a better experience. And four, capture them into my marketing database. So how we're very different than the third parties is we build our technology embedded within the hotel website or embedded within the restaurant website. We don't pop up and redirect them to somewhere. We help give them a technology vehicle to capture that information. So I'll give you an example. So uh, going forward, a hotel, when someone's booking their room, they hit next. And when they hit next, we can now start to list food and beverage amenity packages mm-hmm. or different things that the guest can do and book ahead of time through Now, is, that it, is it
1: curated for them?
2: So that's the really cool part is that there's three different levels you can take it depending on how, mm-hmm. how sophisticated the operator wants to get. So it. one, it could be across the board, everyone's seeing the same thing. Two, it can be tied to inventory. So if someone picks a suite versus someone picks a standard room, show one package versus the other. Three, you could tie it to the the loyalty segment someone is. So if someone's a platinum member, show them something different than if someone's a gold member. And then what's really cool is you could bring it down even to the customer level, where if we know someone loves golf, we're going to show them a golf package nearby, right? Or if someone loves the adventure off the beaten path things, here's something that you can book right away for all of the adventure off the beaten path. So we're really focused on tying it down and personalizing it. And that's
1: at the point of discovery. So when they're booking their obviously naturally looking for other things that they're going to do in the surrounding area. That's right. And then Peter,
2: to go to round it out with your question, the reason why they're getting so excited is we're not a third party in the equation. We're helping them own that guess. It's all but within their experience. So the guest is able to check out through Mm -hmm. their experience, go in, all that data gets captured. And now when they want to pull up a list of show me all my people that bought the golf package or show me all my people that sure. do the, the the food and beverage package it's now really easy for them to do it
4: that's really interesting I, to me it sounds like if you were to try to build kayak from scratch today this is probably the company that you would build because it's kind of a meta search engine versus an ota and it's focused on hotels which are much higher margin mm-hmm. and it's focused on experience which is would a you, big shift from when you started. all
1: in also and and to your point i mean you don't book a hotel just for the bed you book a hotel for the full experience that's around it which that's is a, which is a shift yeah. right
2: that's that's an industry shift from where we used right. to be that's right and and so the last part there is there's this rubber band effect where you know the OTAs all of the third parties provide a lot of value it's just the brands actually outsource their marketing to them for quite some time and they're willing to pay a fee to do that Nowadays competition is so strong margins are changing across the board to continue to pay out 20 30% for that guest where you don't own that guest is really challenging so you're starting to see this rubber band effect where you know these are massive brands right they know what they're doing but they don't have a technology vehicle to to get it out there to the world so the last part that we really enable which I'm really excited about is we give them technology to offer something to the guests that they cannot get anywhere else. They cannot get through the OTAs. Mm-hmm. They cannot get through this place, this channel, that channel. The guests can only get it when they come visit the, the site, the app of that yeah. operator. And it's a way for them to, to really, really bring that, that guest When back. are you
1: going to start an ad marketplace?
2: So, you know, everything we do is from the point of view of operator first.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if I if you know that I'm a luxury traveler and I'm going in a resort that's two blocks away from, you know, a high-end retailer outlet, that's in my preference space. I mean, I'm assuming you would be able to actually route publisher communication that way. Or 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 let the hotel group do that.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we're we would be focused first on enabling the hotel group to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, our we there's so many businesses and apps going after the consumer mindshare, and it's really really hard to make a dent. Mm-hmm. You know, what we believe is let's focus on building tools for the operator, the operator alone to help mm-hmm. them capture more guest information, get to that guest, and then if that becomes an opportunity down the line that that aligns well with our partners, then we'll start thinking about it.
1: Will seven rooms, uh, be able to platform that type of communication or
2: facilitate it for that matter? Communication with the guest or communication between between... uh,
1: organize, um, the hotel group to be able to uh, align with partners, um, outside of the hotel property in order to deliver useful information.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Figuring out this ecosystem. So right now we're even in talks with brands that make sense to go together. So without naming any in particular, you know, if you think about when you stay at a hotel or you think about when you go to a restaurant or a nightclub, there's things you're doing before and after. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a way to connect this ecosystem of brands together to make it a better experience for the customer.
1: This is truly fascinating. Uh, Before we go to break and come back with our next segment, I kind of want you to describe what the perfect um, customer experience or journey for you uh, would be in a property that leverages 7Room.
2: Sure. So the idea for me would be how do you take technology out of the equation as much as possible and make it seamless? So that's where... You know, let's say I'm checking into a hotel. I could have already checked in before even walking into the lobby, so I don't have to wait in the line, right? Uh, my, my room key can be tied to my phone. So I'm I, I tend to lose my room keys a lot, so that's maybe a personal thing. But mm-hmm. uh, so I can get to my room really quickly. Now, the, the moment I step foot on the property, because I didn't have time to do the research, I'm getting some type of lightweight communication. So maybe it's a text message. And they understand my profile, who I am, what I care about, and understand that I'm in town for three days. I've gone to these other restaurants on site. And have the ability to get offered up a few things to do that. I don't have to pull up an app. I don't have to pull up anything. I can literally just respond and have something booked for me right away. So let's say I book a restaurant. I then walk into the restaurant and it's, everything's fully connected. They know who I am. I don't have to give my name. Maybe I do, but in the perfect world, I don't have to give my name because they see my picture. Uh, I, I maybe have my cocktail waiting for me at the bar, mm-hmm. you know, it's scotch on the rocks. Here Sounds you go. Sounds like a movie. Yeah. (laughs) And then you know, I get seated and and the menu that I pull up uh isn't the menu that everyone sees. It's actually now organized for things that I would love. So if I have a party, I have someone in my party that has a gluten allergy, everything that's that has gluten in it is taken off the menu for them when they look at it. Right. Uh and then, you know, a manager comes over to to touch my table. Mm -hmm. They understand what I've ordered, they understand and ask me if I need anything else. And then, you know, and I walk out and I have a good time. And, and so that's, that to me is what hospitality should be is tech enabled, but people driven. And how do you take the technology out of it? And I think why I'm so excited about hospitality is it's, it's one of the last places that, that hasn't been touched by technology. And it's, if you think about the ceiling for where you can take hospitality, uh any life moment you have chances are you you celebrated it or you with with loved ones over a drink or a meal, right? just even since the beginning of time. And so if you can create that moment and make it more natural to happen through technology but not have it be in the way, then that to me is something really special so that that's how I envision the perfect hospitality experience.
0: That's very interesting because it comes back to a question I had right at, before we even started talking is do you have any feedback? from from customers about the the personal experience because i mean even if a a hotel or a nightclub has all of your information can it can you still sort of recreate that sense of oh look this person knows me and you go there and you you have that personal connection with say joe right or josephine oh so they're
1: dispatching right personnel based on who it is right
0: well and then the next time you go yes they know you but it's somebody else and so then that mm. kind of, for me, that's like, well, they know me, but this isn't really, I mean, people are different.
2: Absolutely. You know? so, they
0: bring uh, a different energy to the table.
2: I'll give you a specific way our, our system helps do that today and stays in the background. So mm-hmm. we have this concept of followers. And so what a follower means in our system is uh, an employee of the hospitality group can follow a customer or group of customers. And so the challenge is once your group grows so big, you can't be everywhere, right? I can't be at the new restaurant opening in LA. Mm -hmm. I want to track what my customers are doing, but now I have 5,000 people in my phone book and now I get random Mm -hmm. text messages from people I probably should know, but don't Mm -hmm. have them stored. And so with, if I'm following a customer and they check in, so Tamara, you check into the the brand new LA restaurant. If I'm following you, I get a notification right away. Mm -hmm. So I'm alerted, even though I could be overseas somewhere in Asia. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know you just stepped foot inside the property. Oh, that's interesting. I can make yes. sure the team knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Secondly, they have your profile, which has now been connected across all of my properties. So they already know that you're someone that they want to take care of. Because when your name pops up on the iPad app, mm-hmm. they see exactly who you are. They see exactly why you're important. And they could even uh, make that make link
1: like, hey, right. Tamara had mentioned that you were going to. And they could come you know? to the table and mm-hmm. say,
0: hey, yeah. you know, Joe that's says cool. hi.
1: That's right. Exactly. That's cool. That's interesting. That's exactly
0: that would be, right. And that's
2: happening all
4: across the world. That would be Okay. Awesome.
0: Well, that helps.
4: So recently we saw Airbnb uh, open a brand new line of business around experience. Do you feel like hotels may be moving in the same direction? That they're really going to be building future business around experience more than real estate?
2: I absolutely do. All of the hotels are thinking about what they can do to enhance that experience. And that's specifically where some of our conversations come in through technology. If anything, I think there's room for both of those, for the Airbnbs of the world and the hotels. Airbnb is now forcing the hand of the hotels to have to decide sooner and faster what they can do in terms of experience. Love Airbnb. I've stayed in many Airbnbs. Where I think the hotels have not necessarily leg up, but have more expertise is they have a whole staff on site that's being consistently, constantly trained and is on payroll. Right? And when you have more consistency there, it's easier to establish protocols, to establish norms. So the industry just has to decide they want to do it, but they already have the infrastructure there to do it. The challenge for Airbnb, and I think Airbnb's figure figured this out, is how do you make service consistent? How do you make a guest experience consistent? And consistent doesn't mean the same because I think that's the beauty of Airbnb is every guest or host can treat – the guests differently, but that becomes harder to scale, especially if that becomes what you build your brand on.
1: Well, How look, re- really, really, really excited uh, about, about all this technology, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's going to be off the beaten path. Here on Travel Is Your Business.
6: To explore opportunities to partner, collaborate, or just make sure we connect at these events, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. We'll see you there. And now, on with the show.
1: All right, guys. Welcome back to Travel Is Your Business. And we are here, of course, with Mr. Joel Montagnol of Seven Rooms. And uh, it is that time. Oh,
3: the beaten
1: path. That's right. It is time for Off the Beaten Path, where we ask personal questions uh, to our guests. Uh, we generally don't have any prep for this so it could be anything <laughs> and uh it could be anyone first and with that i will uh go to our fancy uh flight attendant to 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 randomly draw which one of our hosts asked the first question
6: ladies and gentlemen would passenger and ball please report to the information desk
1: all right looks like i'm up <laughs> so uh you had mentioned in the beginning uh, something where the technology should make you feel at home and that that resonated with me um Because I often, I agree, when I'm traveling, I really like to feel at home. Uh, What is an experience in your childhood, um, and this is at a younger age, where you've traveled outside of your comfort zone and really, really felt at home because of the experience or the the environment that was provided around you?
2: Sure. So my family is from the Philippines, and it's a big, I guess I'm starting to find out for more people than just Filipinos, but uh, anytime you travel and there's some type of family, uh, whether they're a distant cousin, whether they're a quote-unquote cousin, whether they're a quote-unquote great aunt, doesn't matter what it is, uh, we always had to stop by their house, right? And I didn't want to do that because I wanted to do other things and that didn't seem very fun to me. But since I was really young, stopping by someone's house always meant going for a big meal and really getting welcomed with open arms. And it didn't matter whose house we went to or what their real relation was to us. Uh, it always revolved around food and around family and around this warmth. So I've always associated you know, travel and going to new places with that type of environment. And whether that was family now or back then, or or whether it's finding places that operate that way, uh, when I walk into a place, I can I get a sense of how they operate the moment I walk in, depending on the greeting that I'm given or mm-hmm. or kind of how they how they welcome you, and so I try to find places that have that warm type of greeting. And actually, I find I care less about the food or less about the coffee or less about the quality of what I'm doing uh, if the if the service and the greeting and everything else is really warm. Excellent. Ladies and
6: gentlemen, would the following standby passenger please come up to the gate? Tamara Wood,
1: please report to the gate. All right, and uh, next it looks like we have Tamara.
0: You mentioned right at the beginning that you are interested in discovering EATS. Places to eat. So, my question is What is one of the worst things and one of the best things you've ever eaten and where?
2: So, the worst thing, well, I can think of two, but the most recent worst thing that I had was in Las Vegas. I won't name the name of the restaurant, but it was an omekase menu. And the first thing we were served was something called Milt, M I L T, like Tom. Mm-hmm. It looked like a Jello of sorts and tasted kind of sweet and slimy. We asked the server what it was, and she responded back saying it was milt and basically responded back saying, basically implying that we should know what it is. So we didn't stop to question or ask. We are like, oh, sure, we'll eat this. We want to be fancy people eating this omakase menu. And then we Googled what it was afterwards, about a few minutes after we ate the whole thing. And, uh, you know, it, it's fish semen.
0: Uh, and it's used oh, so
2: yeah, so mm. it was interesting to say the least. So that would probably be the worst Wait, thing was, it, was it was tasty? Uh, it was not very tasty, okay. but, you know, would I eat it again? But you could handle I would cement. eat it again, but knowing what it is, <laughs> I wouldn't eat it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, good so boy. that's the worst. Okay. The best thing I've had recently... At least in the city, Uh, there's an amazing restaurant called Great New York Noodle Town. It's down on Baird and Bowery. The first time I went, I went four times in a row. It was that good. (laughs) They have an amazing roast pork noodle soup as well as roast duck. You can get in and out of that place for $10, and it's open till 5 a.m. every night.
0: I have a follow-up question, which is tied. What is something that you will never eat?
2: Nothing. Okay. Nice.
6: (laughs) Paging passenger Peter Crysdale. Peter Crisdale, please report to gate two.
1: And uh, of course, uh, the last question goes to uh, Peter. Can you describe a personal relationship
4: that you've cultivated over time with someone who works for a hotel or a nightclub or some other place that you frequent um, that has become very
2: authentic just through the fact of repeat business? Yeah, the person that comes to mind is someone named Zach Chatterow. He's one of the partners at China Grill Management. He also is partners in Red Farm and Black Seed Bagel. Yum. Yeah, all great places. Really, really, truly great places. And great
1: soup dumplings.
2: Great soup dumplings. (laughs) And so why he comes to mind first is when I met him a couple years ago, he was very forward-thinking for an operator, also very authentic and genuine. So we spent a lot of time together, not because I was selling him the technology, which took me a while to do, but really more so I was fascinated by his thoughts on how technology should influence hospitality and the places where lines should be drawn or not be drawn. And so he's become, he's a customer, but more so he's really a friend and someone who I think of as a mentor uh, and an expert in the industry because he's seen all facets of it from how The kitchen is working, to how the front of house is working, to how accounting needs to work, through how food ordering needs to work, and and understands where technology can really play a role. So when I'm thinking about ideas, uh, he's one of the first people I go to. And then he also is constantly sending me new ideas of where he thinks technology can help within his own places. Awesome.
1: Listen, this has been a fascinating interview. Thank you so much, Joel, for coming by and sharing with us exactly what Seven Rooms is all about, as well as, of course, your industry insights. Uh, What is the best way that people could connect with uh, either you, Seven Rooms, um, anything that's going on in your ecosystem?
2: Sure. Best way is to go directly to our website. It's www.sevenrooms.com. It's the number seven spelled out. Rooms as plural. We have an info box there as well. We'd love to hear from you if you're a potential customer, partner, if you're looking for a uh, new place to come work, uh, come be part of the mm-hmm. team. We're, we're hiring and, oh, nice. and yeah. So www.sevenrooms.com. Perfect. Thanks so much. And uh, for Tamara Wood.
0: Thank you for coming. It was a pleasure.
1: And Peter Kreisdell. Thanks a lot. I'm popping ball, guys, and uh, we'll catch you next time.
3: This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.
2: This is Mouth Media Network covering the business of lifestyle.